0: Uh, what we learned last week as we transition into part two of our series um, is that that God moves in seasons. The fact that everything happens in a season and that we have to embrace those seasons. Uh, that we can't try and I can't try and live your season. I can't try and live a future season of my life or a past season of my life, but I have to embrace the season I'm in right now. I have to look for the sweetness, look for the strength in the season that God has me in. And all of us have to do those things. And if we don't, what will will happen is... God will, will call our name. God will pick our turn and say now it's your time and we might actually miss it. We might actually not be tuned in when he calls our name. It, it's funny because we used this illustration last week of of going to a restaurant and you get the beeper and you put your name in and then you go shop and and they 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 set the beeper but you got too far away and you didn't hear it and and then you missed your turn for your So last night, not last night, Friday night, uh Melody and I we we were in Oklahoma. We actually went back to uh, to celebrate. Uh, there, there's a Christmas experience at the church that we interned at that we've never gone to as a couple, and it's actually the last year that they're doing it. It's called Christmas Train. It's a pretty big deal. I worked it many, many, many nights, and so I was like, man, we got to do it the last year. we got to take the kids before they close it down. we got to come be a part of this. So we went Friday night, and, I, and we drove back yesterday. And so Friday night, we're, we're eating in the lodge, and they've got it all set up now like a sit-down restaurant. And it's a barbecue joint. And so you, you sign in, and they said, you know, it's going to be about 50 minutes. And they were like, you can go check out other things and, and come back. They said come back probably in about 30 minutes just to be safe. So, sure enough, we did this illustration last week, I put our name in, we go, Judah rides this little bitty train around, and we go into the little arcade, and we come back, and they missed our name. I kid you not, this happened this week, and then here's God's sense of humor. We check in, and they're like, oh yeah, we already called your name. They're like, we'll go get you a table right now. So, after I use the illustration of missing your turn and losing your table, God's like, well, now I'm going to prove it to you. I can do what I want. You're going to get your table anyway, even though you missed it. So, I was like, really, God? What, what an irony. Uh, so, so part one, we talked about take your turn, right, to be ready to step up when God has our turn. Um, and we're going to read out of Galatians chapter 6 today, and it's a, it's a pretty familiar passage. So I'm going to do something that I'm not sure I've ever done. Um, we're going to preach out of primarily the message version of the Bible today. I, I don't go there often because the message, if you're not familiar, it's actually a paraphrase. Uh, most, if your Bible says translation, the New International Version, the uh, ESV, the English Standard Version, if it says version, it's a translation. And so what they did is they took the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the Greek and they, they translated it over into English. Well, the message and the Living Bible, you might have used the Living Bible at some point in time, they're not translations, they're paraphrases. So what somebody did is they took something that was already translated into English and they reworded it. They kind of put it in their own words. And so a pastor named Eugene Peterson Bible scholar, actually did the, the message version. Um, and, and so it, it's his words. It's basically almost essentially like a commentary. It, it's him saying, hey, this is what this means. And so this is not the inspired, infallible word of God. This is not, uh, I mean, it's something that cannot fail. I'm just going to tell you that straight up front. But, but here's the nice thing about a paraphrase is when you've got a familiar passage of Scripture, you can come to a paraphrase and, and, and now see it with fresh eyes. Now, now have a, a new perspective breathed into it and see, man, maybe I never noticed that there before. So we're going to turn to Galatians 6, and this is a section of scripture that, that I've preached a couple times and read many, many times. Because last week we, we looked at how uh, King Solomon, in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he says there's a time and a season for everything, right? He says there's a time to plant and a time to harvest. There, there's a time for these agricultural things to happen. And here we see the Apostle Paul use a different agricultural illustration. And in verse 4, in the message of Galatians chapter 6, he says this. says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So that." That's basically a summary of last week's message, right? We didn't even look at this passage, but he's saying sink yourself into your mission. Sink yourself into what God has for you. Each of you should do your creative best. I love that phrase, your creative best. That, that Man, we, we shouldn't settle for mediocre. We shouldn't settle for just getting by, but God's got something great in us for us to strive for. And then verse 6, he says, Be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity, that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things you have and experience. And then then verse 7, it becomes very familiar. He says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest, right? The NIV says, what a person reaps, he will sow. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. We had three potheads who just got interested in the message. What? Um, That's not what he's saying, just so you know. But at least you're listening. Uh, we got people at different levels, different, different levels of maturity, different points in the process of coming to Jesus, right? It uh, says, all that he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response, to, in response to God, letting God's spirit do the work of growth in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves, verse 9, to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, everybody say at the right time. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. So, so Paul makes this, this agricultural illustration that, that one day we're going to plant something, and, and at some point in the future, we're gonna harvest something. And there's this phrase that I grew up hearing. I don't know if you guys grew up with this. Maybe in, in your circle of church, we have different different languages of Christian ease and different types of churches, right? But 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 we talked a lot about seed time and harvest. In the churches I grew up, that there's there's seed time and there's harvest. And I always thought that seed time was like one word. Seed time. It's like seed time is when you plant and then there's harvest. But but what I've discovered is it's not seed time one and harvest two, it's seed one, time two, three, four, five, six. Right, it's time and harvest. And what I don't like about that process is time. Right? I like seed. I like sowing seed. I like blessing people. I like, man, being unselfish, taking those opportunities and, and recognizing, you know, I can I can be a blessing today. I can encourage somebody today. I can sow some seed today. And I know God's going to bless me one day as I bless this other person. I like that. And I love harvest. Man, I love reaping what I've sown. I love when God shows up and, oh, man, I'm blessed because of what I did, man. Seed and harvest are great. Times not. Right? I don't love that time in between, but, but you've got to have seed, you got to have time if you're going to have a harvest. And, and the mistake that we so often make is I, I want to sow something this morning and get it tonight. I want to pray for one of you today at, at City Church, and I want God to bless me for it tonight, right? Isn't that the way we do it? I want to put something in the offering today and get a raise tomorrow. Hallelujah. Right? Like, like, isn't that how we all are? That's how we think. Like, we want that harvest to be immediate, but we know if I go home and I, and I plant some cucumbers in my yard, they're not growing up tonight, right? Like, I'm not making pickles tomorrow. It's not the way that it works. There's seed. There's time. There's time. And there's harvest. And we've got to be able to embrace the time in between the seed and the harvest. <clears throat> the, the The title of our message today as we get into part two is, is Count the Years. Count the Years. And th- this is taken from a quote. And the best I can find is this quote com- comes from a lady named Gretchen Rubin. I've, I've heard this quote many times. I didn't know it was from her. I'm not 100% sure she's the first one who said it. But she wrote a book called The Happiness Project. And in The Happiness Project, and it was about parenting. But she made this statement. She said, the days are long, but the years are short. Right? The days are long, but the years are short. Last year, I told you as a new parent, uh, people are constantly telling me, man, enjoy it. Savor it. They're going to grow up so fast, right? Why do people tell you that? Because the days are long. Man, the the diapers are poopy. And and, and the screaming in the middle of the night, and you're up for three hours. And the days are long. Man, how are we going to get through this day? But the years are short. And before you know it, you look back, and things have flown by. The days are long, but the years, they are short. And so we're going to count the years. Why are we counting the years? Well, because the psalmist in Psalm chapter 90 put it this way. He said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. What does he mean when he says number our days? Is he saying that, that we should actually seek God and find out, God, what day am I going to die? Well, I got 3,422 days left on earth, and so I got about 3,000 days to screw around, and then the last 422, I'm going to get right. That's not, not what he's saying, right? Like, we're not counting the days so we know exactly how much time we have before we meet our maker. We know it, it doesn't work that way, right? We just said last week, God, God controls the schedule, but he don't post the calendar. We don't know. None of us know at what time we're actually appointed to meet our maker. It could be very soon. It could be far off. So, so what is he saying when he says teach us to number our days? What I think he's saying is teach us to count the things that count. Teach us to, to take advantage of the days we've been given. Teach us to, to seize the opportunity you have placed in front of us. And so what I got to do for you today uh, in, in the time that we have is I, I want to teach you some Greek. I'm going to teach you two Greek words, and if you will tolerate a Greek lesson for a few moments, uh, I I think you're going to get a lot out of it. I think I'm going to give you something that you can use on Friday. My my job and and any pastor's job is not to preach to you for Sunday morning. It's it's to preach to you for Thursday, right? Like hopefully tomorrow there's still some overflow from worshiping together and being around God's people. Hopefully I don't got to preach for Monday, but but maybe there will be something you can use tomorrow too. But i got to preach to you for, for later on in the week where you can take something with you. So you're going to get something today if you'll, if you'll hang with us. So there's two words in the Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek. Two words in the Greek for time. The first of those is chronos. Now, those same three potheads are like, chronic what? Uh, so the message isn't for you anymore, potheads. That's the end of it. But it's not chronic. It's chronos. Chronos. And, and chronos is is what you can probably infer. It's chronological time. It's sequential time. Kronos is what each of us have, what each of us has been given. It's, it's, uh, so this morning we have a production meeting before every service and every service we go through the different elements and the transitions. We're going to do these songs and here's when we're going to do the offering and here's when we're going to do the announcements and here's when we're going to do the altar the, the fresh start invitation and, and all these things. And here's the amount of allotted time we have for it. And a lot of times I go over my time and I apologize for that. And today might be one of those days, but it's my birthday. So get over it. But but, but there's chronos, right? Like I got a limited amount of time. We've got an 1115 service. So at the very absolute most, I got an hour 45 to play with and really don't have that long because you've got to get you out of here so you can get your kids checked out so you can get out so our next service can get in here, right? I've got so much chronos. All of us have so much chronos. And most of the time in the Bible when it refers to time in the New Testament, it uses this word chronos. It just means time. It's what all of us know as time. But there is a second Greek word which sometimes is translated as time in your Bible, and it's so significant, and this is, this is the good stuff. This is the part that's going to help you. It's, it's kairos, kairos. In fact, everybody say kairos. Everybody say kronos, all right? So, so I'm helping you say it so you can go home and preach it to your kids this week so you can teach them, so you can pass it on to them. But kairos literally means the right time or the opportune time. And one definition I found, I loved it so much I had to put it in parentheses up here, Kronos in the Greek means the supreme moment. The supreme moment. So you've got Kronos, which is just regular old time. It's, It's the daily grind time. It's the mundane time. It's the time that it just flies by and you don't even realize what happened, right? But Kairos is the supreme moment. Kairos is the right time, it's the opportune time, it's the God time, it's the time when God checks in. Check this out, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, I'll give you an example of Kairos. It says, you see, at just the right time, at Kairos, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. How many of you know Jesus died at just the right time? God's plan laid out, he enacted it exactly the way he wanted to. And before time began, before Adam and Eve fell, God knew how things were going to go. He knew what plan, what, what route the world was going to take. And so he had a plan. He had a kairos already appointed, already selected when I'm going to send my son. And He's we're going to pierce heaven and invade earth. And I'm going to send angels and a star to declare that Jesus is here. And he's going to live for 33 years. And at kairos, he'll release his last breath at the Passover to declare to the world that the that the lamb has come the perfect lamb has taken away the sins of the world at kairos so at just the right time at the supreme moment at the opportune time god sent his son to die for us even though we were powerless so we got chronos and kairos everybody has the same amount of chronos we all, we all have the same amount of chronos we Kronos is is divided into units we call minutes in each day, right? And and all of us have 1,440 units of Kronos. You got the same amount of of Kronos as the person next to you. You got the same amount of Kronos as the president. You got the same amount of Kronos as as the person you know who's the most productive and the person you know who's the least productive and everybody in between. God gives each of us 1,440 units of Kronos. But here's what I think. I think the amount of Kairos differs a whole lot by individual. And I don't think it's because God says, I want you to have more Kairos than I want you to have. I think it's because some people know how to seize Kairos, how to, how to look for Kairos, how to position themselves for Kairos. And so what I want to do today is I want to help you to position yourself for some more Kairos. How many of you show a hand and say, I, I want some more Kairos in my life. I want some more God moments in my life. Not a trick question. If your hand's not up, I'm going to give you another second. How many of you say, I want some more Kairos in my life, right? Like, God, I want to see you invade my life more frequently let me illustrate this for you because because there's this idea sometimes we we don't just need to teach you greek sometimes we actually have to teach you christianese because we we speak these different ways in churches right and and so some christians might use a phrase a god moment man i just had a god moment i don't know if you've ever heard that or you've ever used that i've used that at certain points oh, man there was just this amazing god moment so so to illustrate a couple god moments for you um Back in 2007, when I was youth pastor in the 662, we took our first mission trip, and we went to the Los Angeles Dream Center, and I'd never led a mission trip before, I'd never been responsible for for 20-some lives, getting on a flight to Los Angeles, and getting out at LAX, and getting into the right vehicles, and not dying on the road in LA, and it's a lot of responsibility when you lead a mission trip, especially to Los Angeles, right? And, and so we went to L.A., and we, we put this whole training together, and, and we selected a theme tr- song for our mission trip. You, you might remember it. as a song by Hill's song called Mighty to Save. And it just come out. It was, it was the Kairos moment for that song, man. Mighty to save. You are mighty to save. And shine your light and let the whole world see. We're living for the glory of the risen king. And, and we, we did this song in our training camp, and we embraced it, man. God is mighty to save, and he's going to bring salvation through us. And, and so we go to L.A., and, and, and we just start having Kairos like crazy. If I had time, I could tell you so many Kairos moments, but one of the Kairos moments I remember as we're in Los Angeles on our first mission trip is that Thursday night, we went to a service at their at their church, and some of you guys went to L.A. with us this year, and so we're at Angeles Temple, and we're sitting there, and, and they do their service, and they get to their last song, and, the, and they do this big altar call and for us to come down, and if, if we had some issues uh, related to our dad, if we had some, some pain from our father, that the father wanted to heal that, and, and what song do they use? They start playing mighty to save. And my head just jerks up. And I started looking around because we'd never heard this song in any other context except our missions training. It wasn't like the song everybody did at this point. It was still brand new. And we're like, oh, my gosh. God made a phone call. And he told L.A. to do our song. Like, that's not an accident, right? And so you can be here and like, okay, it's just a coincidence. Man, it just happened. It was a big song. And, and yeah, it's fine if you believe that. You've got the right to be wrong. I don't care. But it wasn't a coincidence, man. It was It was a Kairos moment for us, right? Like, God showed up as we were 2,500 miles from home, God said, you know what, I want you to know, I knew you were going to be here, and I want to encourage you, and it was a Kairos moment, I brought a screenshot, if you'll put that up for us, Carissa, of that, that Facebook post, um, no, sorry, not that one, we'll get to that picture in a minute, the the Facebook screenshot, there it is, uh, a lady named Gail Comer lives over in uh, Crestview Apartments, and we got a team that Bobby coston has been leading, who's been going over there to Crestview once a week and just being a blessing, just, just loving on people and helping people and, and walking out Mission OB, reaching our city by reaching one. And so this is what Gail said. She, this is a public comment on our page. Uh, this is what she said. She says, I needed help in a life and death struggle with depression. The city church, she didn't even know our name right, but that's all good. You can call us the city church, Gail. The city church knocked at my door like an answer to my prayers. They listened to me, gave me personal testimonies, prayed a powerful prayer, and I've not felt depressed in 10 days. Then they came back. They measured my unit for a filter, carried out a TV. I could not begin to lift to the dumpster, gave me some delightful giggles. Way to go, Bobby. And really showed me the love of God in action. This church prayed again for me to break the addiction of nicotine at my request, and I'm in love. God bless church. That's Kairos. Somebody had a need? We had no idea about it. We didn't know Gail Comer was going through depression. We didn't even know Gail Comer existed. But there's a group of people who said, you know what, we're going to set aside some time once a week. And we're going to be a blessing to our city. We're going to knock on some doors and see who needs something. And at just the right time, at just the opportune time, at the supreme moment, God sends a group of of imperfect, flawed, messed up people to knock on somebody's door and be the answer to her prayer. That's Kairos. I don't know about you, but I want some more Kairos. I want to be able to look at my life and say, man, God used me in this opportunity. God encouraged somebody through me. God showed up and he led me. But you know what? Here's what's crazy about this. There was no angel who showed up in Bobby's bedroom and said, you need to go to Crestview Apartment. There was no vision where God said there's a lady named Gail Comer and you're going to knock on her door and she needs somebody to change out her elf air filter and carry her TV to the trash. Right? There, there was no Kairos moment that brought Bobby to the Kairos moment. It was simple obedience. It was simple, I need to make a difference. It was simple, here's maybe an opportunity, I can do something. A lot of times Kairos moments don't come out of Kairos moments. Most of the time, we're waiting on God to show up and flash that sign in our face and say, here's where I want you to go. And God's waiting on here, us to just be obedient. And with Kairos moment's going to show up in the middle of us following his plan and obeying his will. I believe this very strongly. You can write this down if you're taking notes. I believe that every moment has the potential to be a God moment if we will find God in the moment. Every moment has the potential to be a God moment if we'll find God in the moment. Most of the time we live in, in the TikTok, right? We live in the Kronos. We live, I don't know about you, but my wife laughs at me because I'm so good at, at being, she'll be like, what time is it? Oh, it's probably about 543, and it'll be 542. Like, I don't know. Somehow I have an internal clock. I just know roughly what time it is. As some people, you can, like, wake yourself up at the right time. I don't have that, and I don't have an internal alarm clock, I have an eternal ability to sleep. Thank God for technology, or I would never get out of the bed. Uh, but but some of you can do that. But I, I can tell you pretty much very accurately what time it is. See, li- life is mostly lived over here in the sowing and right here in the time. The moments of reaping are rare, right? The harvest season doesn't last long. If, if you're a farmer, you know, man, there's not a big window to harvest that crop. I got about a week to get that corn off the off the the stalk, or it's going to go bad. Harvest is limited, and that's why Paul comes and he says, don't grow weary in doing good. Why? Because good can be weary. Time can drag on. It it can feel like I've been doing the right thing and nobody notices. I've been doing the right thing, and, and yet my breakthrough hasn't come. I've been doing what you're asking me to do, God, but the kairos hasn't shown up. There's no angels declaring to me that Jesus is born. Where's my Kairos moment? And Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't get tired of it. Don't get discouraged in it. Because there's a lot of time in between seed and harvest. But that doesn't mean seed isn't going to pay off. In fact, let me me read you this. It's a commentary by Eugene Peterson, the the man who translated the message translation or the message version. And and, and he said this, uh, talking about Galatians chapter 6. He said, acts of faith aren't like pebbles dropped in a pool that makes a few temporary ripples and then sink to the bottom, inert. They're seeds planted in the soil of life, and they will come up one day. And I love these next four words. The harvest is inevitable. And I believe that's inspired by the word of God. It's not in the word of God in those exact words, but I believe that's 100% what the Bible says. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. The harvest is inevitable. It's not pebbles that make a little bitty ripple and then fall, and they're gone. They're seeds that are planted, and they are going to grow. There will be a harvest. It is coming. And then he quotes verse 7. He says, don't be disled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. Decisions that you make or see." Attitudes you take into your day are seed. The way we respond to to the challenges and the struggles, because remember we saw last week, every season has a struggle. The way we respond to that struggle is seed. Prayer is seed. Our thoughts are seed, and all of it will produce a harvest. problem is sometimes harvest comes up as weeds because we're sowing the wrong stuff. We got to be sure that we're sowing the right thing. Then Eugene says this. He says, the person, though, who looks for quick results from planting seeds of well-doing, will be disappointed. I love this, this illustration. He says, if I want potatoes for dinner tomorrow, it will do me little good to go out tonight and plant potatoes in my garden. I'm not making french fries tomorrow with the potatoes I plant today, right? We all know this. So then he says this. He says, long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence separate planting from reaping. The harvest is inevitable, but the time is long. Time, 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 time before we get the harvest. And we've got to understand that. And that's why Paul says, don't get discouraged, don't grow weary, don't let it mess you up. You, you got seed over here, and you put the seed down, and then you got Kronos, And some more Kronos, and some more Kronos, and, and Eugene says long stretches of invisibility and darkness and silence separate the seed from the harvest, but that doesn't mean the harvest isn't coming. Don't let the silence, don't let the invisibility, don't let the darkness lie to you and convince you there's not something happening underground. I can't see what's going on with the seed. I can't see what the seed is doing, but I know it's growing because I put it in the ground in faith. Don't grow discouraged. Don't grow weary. The harvest is inevitable, but the growth is invisible. And that's why we think we're not growing because we don't see it. We don't realize what God is up to. Growth is hidden in Kronos, so God gives us this encouragement to to not get locked in the Kronos, but to begin looking at something deeper and something greater. Uh, He says, I want you to learn to trust me in the Kronos, and I want you to learn to recognize the Kairos. And so I want to help you over the next few minutes to to hopefully open your eyes to some Kairos, to, to some things that that God is doing. I believe there's a, a Kairos in every Kronos if we know where to look. There, there is a Kairos in every Kronos. So, so Friday, I told you we went to, to Christmas Train. And Christmas Train is at this place called Dry USA. It's about an hour from the church that, that I interned at and the church of Melody interned at, the place where we met and place that I worked for four years. It's, it's about an hour out in the country. And it's an old west town that they used to, to film movies originally and TV shows, and and they converted it into a kid's camp. So every summer, the kids have camp there, and the only reason we've never taken our kids there is it's far, and it's expensive, and, and we, we hadn't been able to make that happen. But it's, it's a very cool place, and I got to spend some summers there. I got to spend a lot of nights there working Christmas trains. So in, at Christmas, they they convert the whole thing into this this amazing Christmas experience. And there's a train that goes around, and it tells the story of Jesus, and, and I was like, man... I, I know Judah's not going to remember it, but if it's the last year, i got to make sure he gets to experience it. So, so we went out there, and, and it, it was amazing. I actually had to, to call in a favor. I don't know if you ever had to cash in, like, like play the uh, do you know who I am card. So so I had to call in a favor. I, I called my buddy who I interned with, Jared, who had actually just moved this week to Boston, but he'd been in Tulsa this whole time for 13 years since we interned together. And, uh, and I was like, Jared, who do I know? That, that has some control of Christmas train tickets because they were sold out. I was like, who do, who do I know? And he's like, well, do you, do you know Pastor Greg? And I was like, but Greg Scott? And he's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, dude. I, I, I was over altar counseling for one of the services under Pastor Greg. He's, he's a good guy. He's like, he likes Kentucky Wildcats basketball. I'll throw that in there. I was like, can you give me his number? So he gets me Pastor Greg's number, and, and I call him. i like, hey, man, how about them Wildcats? You know how to win friends and influence people. Uh, and, and then I, I said, man, look, um, we didn't even know they were doing Christmas train this year. We thought it was already done because we had heard the announcement back in February that they were getting ready to sell the camp. I said, I really want to take my two-year-old son. I said, is there any way? Can I pay you double price for tickets? Is there some that have been returned? that Like, is there any way we can do this? And he said, what day do you want to come? And so I told him the date. I said, my, my wife wants to take me out there right before my birthday. And she, he's like, okay, December 9th. And then he said, how many people you got coming with you? So I told him how big our family was. And he said, we're going to put you up in an apartment right here at, at camp. Uh, we're going to take care of it. It's going to be free. The only thing you got to worry about is just taking care of your food. So, so they do the whole thing for us, which is way more than I was looking for. So we got to spend a night at Dry Gulch on top of actually coming to, to, to do the train, and, and it was great. Um, and as we pull in, we pull in about 5.05, and, and they're starting at 5.30. As we pull in, this, they, they have us follow this guy. He's walking us around to the parking lot. His name is Pastor Dean, and Pastor Dean is walking with Pastor Willie George, our, our, our pastor. Um, and Pastor George is, is something of a celebrity in certain circles. He had a children's TV show that I grew up watching called The Gospel Bill Show, which was actually filmed at Dry Gulch. So I'm just like, I'm like a, a kid, right? Like, like, this is my hero. This is like this guy that I look up to so much. And Melody's freaking out. She's like, I'm like, it's Pastor George. She's like, no, it's not. I said, I'm telling you, that's Pastor George right there. She's like, no way. Like, we didn't even think he'd even be there. Like, he's in his 60s, like, late 60s now. We figured he's going to be, like, hanging out with the family and where it's warm. And sitting, so, you know, he's got other people that can do this. I'm like, I promise you, that's Pastor George. And so he's, like, lost some weight, and he looks a little bit different. And she's like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? I'm like, we keep following, right? And, and so they're, they're, they bring us in, and we pull up in front of the apartment, and, and we get out. And Pastor George, who's got like the coolest voice in the world, like it's like next to the voice of God, is very deep. He goes, "How can we help you guys get to your room?" Uh, and we're like, "Uh, uh, uh, we're supposed to help you. You're not supposed to help us. We don't know what to do." Um, so so he ends up carrying Alexa up into our apartment, and he's like talking to her, and we're like, "Alexa just got saved. Um, like she knows Jesus now, right?" Um. Like, and then he, then he, like, fist bumps Judah. He's like, Judah, that's a good name. And, like, we have this, like, amazing moment with, with this guy who, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't even know each other. If it wasn't for the, the ministry that he built and the place that he put together, we would have never even got to know each other. And, and I don't know him well. I've talked to him a few times. He was many layers uh, above me in, in, the, in the structure there. But it was, it was this amazing moment. It was this kairos for us. And for you, it wouldn't have been Kairos because you'd be like, I don't even know who Willie George is. Not a big deal. It doesn't make a big difference to me. But, but for us, it was a God moment. It was a God-er-day moment where God just just smiled on us. And we just happened to pull up at the right time to get to have this experience with this person who we, who we love, who we admire, who we're so grateful for, who didn't even know we had kids. And now he's, he's met both of our kids. And, and it's an amazing thing. And I believe there's a, there's a Kairos in every chronos. Here's the thing, though. You, you may not be able to get your hero to help you move into the room you're staying in that night. I don't know who your hero is, who the person is, who, who does what you do but does it way better than you do, and, and you want to be like that person. You want to have their integrity, and you want to have their anointing, and you want to have their passion and their skills. I don't know who your hero is. It's probably not Willie George. He's mine. But, but you may not ever get your hero to help you climb a flight of stairs and carry your daughter up and, and have that moment. you may never have that Kairos moment but here's what's so amazing about God. He says anytime you want to, you may not be able to walk upstairs with your hero, but you can next, sit next sit down next to your maker. He said, open my word, worship me, enter my presence and you may not be able to be able to hang out with that person that you look up to so much, but you can skip right past them and go to the most important. And that's why there's Kairos in every Kronos, because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Because God's presence is in you. And there's that makes it Kairos. That means he's there. You may not sense him. You may not feel him. You may not recognize him. But he's there in the middle of what you've got going on. Ephesians 5.16 says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The, the old translations used to say, redeem the time. Redeem the time. In other words, buy back the time. You can't make every time the moment where you get to hang out with your hero, but you can find God in every moment. Because he's there. He's there when you're changing that diaper. He's there when you're stranded in traffic on 240. You got that 40-minute commute across 240. That can be 40 minutes of hell, or you can put in some worship and sing along, and it can be 40 minutes of heaven. You determine if that's a Kairos situation. You determine if God invades your scenario or not. He's given us the ability. And and so often we miss the moment. We miss the Kairos because we despise the mundane. If only I had more time. If only I had more Kronos. We don't get more Kronos. What we do get is the opportunity to make the most of our Kronos. It's to find the Kairos in the midst of our Kronos. And know that if you... Don't faint, you will reap. He says, he says you will reap a harvest if you do not faint. So in other words, the harvest is not 100% guaranteed. You can give up in the middle and not reap it. But if you don't faint, if you keep pushing through the chronos, if you push through the time, if you trust and you have faith, there will be a harvest on the other side. There's a lady named Teresa of Avila, one of the church mothers who who lived long ago. And Teresa of Avila was talking to some women who felt guilty that they didn't pray more. Teresa, I, I want to be like you. I want to spend more time with God, but, but I got kids, and I'm changing diapers, and I'm making dinner, and I'm scrubbing dishes, and, and, and I don't know what to do. And so I think this is going to encourage some moms out there. I think there's application for all of us. But, but maybe if you're a mom in that situation right now, maybe this will encourage you. Here's what she said. She said, don't imagine that if you had a great deal of time, you would spend more of it in prayer. Get rid of that idea. Again and again, God gives more in a moment Then in a long period of time, for God's actions are not measured by time at all. Now, you can take this message the wrong way, but like, sweet, I don't need to pray. That's not what I said. It's not what I said. What I did say, what Teresa did say, is in that moment where you spend it with God, that moment can be extremely impactful, extremely powerful. And in fact, she didn't stop there. She says, "No," and I love this is my favorite part. She says, know that even... When you are in the kitchen, our Lord is moving among the pots and pans. Mom, be encouraged. Even when you're in the kitchen, you feel like, man, I haven't been in my prayer closet today. I haven't had this God moment. I haven't been fasting and seeking him, and I'm going to do that in January, but I haven't been doing that in December because December's crazy. Even among the pots and pans, God is moving. Do you believe that? Do you believe we serve a God who moves in the pots and pans, who moves in the traffic on Goodman Road, who moves in the long lines at Walmart if, God forbid, you actually have to go to Walmart in December? And I hope for your sake you don't. But we serve a God who's even there, who can even show up there. The problem is most of the time we don't look and we don't see. So my encouragement for you this week is open your eyes. Maybe even ask God, reveal to me the Kairos in the midst of my Kairos. I can... I can have this moment with my kid, and 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 teach them multiplication. I can teach them seven times six, right? My kids aren't doing multiplication yet, but maybe yours are, and 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 that can be a very basic, very simple moment. We just learned forty two, and that can be mundane, or that can be chronos. That can be a moment where that you always remember. Um, I want to show you this as we get ready to close. Uh, I brought some pictures and. The, the the impact of zooming in and zooming out and counting the years go ahead and put that first picture up for us carissa this is me and alexa out in the cold at christmas train we're, we're sitting there waiting for the train and and, and it could have been just a chronos moment right it could have been just like oh my gosh it's 19 degrees which by the way was 19 degrees um which uh, i never i've never been so grateful to live in mississippi as when i went to oklahoma this week and realized man it's a lot warmer where we live that's awesome um but, but 19 degrees, so we bundled her up, and Alexa, I don't think, she's ever been in the cold. She was born in March and kind of missed the winter. So this is like her first time, and, and she was so stinking awesome. She just wanted to cuddle up to me the whole time and just leaned into me. And, and so I didn't even know Melody was taking this picture, but I'm just having this moment with my kid, and my wife takes this picture. And so this is on my iPhone. You can you know You can open up your phone, and you have a picture, but you can actually go back out of the picture. And this is what happens if you go out of this picture on my iPhone. You get to moments. And so this is Friday night in Dry Gulch Road, Air, Oklahoma. And these are the different moments we had. You see the boarding pass, you see Judah doing his thing and and we're hanging out. You see Melody bundled up and and that was our moment. And then you can zoom out for moments. And you get collections and it's just thumbnails you can't see them as well but you can kind of see me and judah picking out a christmas tree you can see the christmas card that we put together to send out to the church you can see some different things you see my seahawks beanie in there somewhere these these are these moments these and now there's a collection and you can zoom out from collection and now you get years that's my year that's 2016 for me that's my thumbnail it says i've been to nashville fort walton beach horn lake south haven District 2 and Adair. So apparently I went to Panem this year. I didn't realize it. Um, I don't know where District 2 is or what pictures I took there, but I was there according to my iPhone. Um, now you can't even really make anything out, right? You can't even really see. that. That's my whole year. That's 2016 for Troy Souten in a picture. That's everything that was worth. You know, it didn't happen if you didn't take a picture of it, right? That's everything that was worth pulling out my phone and taking a picture and, and, and remembering it. That's my year. And we can zoom in on moments, and we can zoom out. And and if we're not careful, we spend a lot of time zoomed out. And We don't realize the magic when we zoom in. And so my encouragement for you this Christmas season, over the next two weeks, as things get crazy and you spend time with family you may love and family you may not, uh, family you may love in faith, uh, seize the moment. Every moment can be a Kairos moment. Every moment can be a moment where God speaks through you or God speaks to you, you're going to have that kairos. I had some kairos with my daughter Friday night. It was amazing just to have this, this, this memory of her in the freezing cold, and her cheeks felt like they were two degrees, and I'm praying God protect her, and I'm the worst father ever, and what am I doing? And, and she made it. She survived. But, but we had this moment, and she just leans into daddy. And how many of us would have more kairos if we just lean into daddy? How many of us, daddy's already there. And we're just not leaning into him. I want want to close with this. This is the last thing I want to say. The Old Testament, they didn't have it this way. The Old Testament, they had to wait on a visitation. Why was it so significant when Jesus was born that God had to hang a star and God had to send angels? Because the Old Testament, they're waiting on visitation. They're waiting on God to show up. God didn't dwell with them. He didn't live with them. He just popped in from now and then. It was a visitation mode, but we don't live in visitation mode because Jesus came, because Christmas happened, because Easter happened. Jesus died and raised again, and now he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us, and now we live in habitation. So instead of waiting on God to show up, I just need to remember that God's already here. He's inhabiting my car. He's inhabiting my home. He's inhabiting my workplace. And if I don't see him, it's not because he's not there, it's because I'm not looking. Open your eyes this week and look for the Kairos. Step beyond the Kronos and see that God's already at work. He's already there in the middle of your moment. Amen. Let's pray. Father God.